You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to the first episode of the Keegan Hamburg Odyssey. It's a bit of a sequel from the Keegan Odyssey that we did last year, and it, it uh, focuses on an ITV documentary from 1979, which is called Brian Moore Meets Kevin Keegan. And it's available now on ITV Hub. I don't know how long it's on there for, and I don't know if it's online anywhere else, so, you know, uh, download get, it now get, if you get can. Get stuck in. I mean, ITV Hub, which was something that I didn't have many dealings with before lockdown, has Trying really to come into it. its own. Because they're, they're very smart. They did the Euro 96 thing, which encouraged me mm. onto it. And then you told me about the um, about this Kevin King and Brian Moore thing. But then once you're there, it snares you because you arrive to watch those things. And then you see they've got all these other great shows like Minder and the Professionals. Yeah. And then you're like, what else do I need? Exactly. Just I'm a complete lockdown, convert. One channel. I, mm. I, I mean, I could be wrong. There might be some software out there which enables you to um, that download and keep things from the ITV hub. I don't know about that. I'm just guessing. You'd have to look right. for that yourselves. But uh, if you wanted to, you know, keep a copy of this. But it's uh, it's Brian Mover that meets, meets Kevin Keegan, and it focuses on uh, Kev's time in Hamburg. I think he's about two years in when this was made. He's mm. settled. Very settled. Uh, fluent there, in German. You say fluent. He's, he well, gets, I don't know because I don't <laughs> speak German, but you see him in the supermarket speaking German. And i got to say, mate, I am fucking impressed by it. Yeah, he says German words, definitely. definitely. But they seem to, the, the Germans seem to understand he's having a right good like banter with some of the people in the uh, supermarket, yeah. from what I can tell. No idea. I don't speak German. Mm. Um, but then he, then he kind of wanders off towards the frozen meat. And, uh, yeah, he can't we, keep, we don't keep really away know from the meat whether they've just whether they've just been bewildered by what he was saying. I don't know. Anyway, this begins with uh, Brian Moore. Um, it, it's an introduction there, a, a present day introduction, isn't there, from Gabriel Clark? Gabriel who Clark explains yeah. that Brian Moore back in the late seventies did a series of groundbreaking documentaries, gaining mm. unprecedented access to some yeah. of the world's top sports stars, and we see a, a seconds footage of Bjorn Borg. In a disco. Yeah. And then we see um, Sevi Ballesteros, styl- Ballesteros styling his hair. Yeah. And Nicky Lauda yeah. in an aeroplane. And I mean, for Brian Moe, this must have been incredible, considering what he normally does is... Different times, mate. I mean, th- 
These were the biggest superstars of the age, right? Mm. And the, the truth is, they say it's brown, ground bacon. Well, it kind of was. But, I mean, well, I don't know if anything like this had gone before, so I'm not sure if it was groundbreaking or not. But in comparison to today, when you don't get any access of this nature, mm. Brian Moore claims at the beginning of his doc that he spent three weeks, three weeks. in Germany with the Keegans, yeah. i.e. Kevin... Jan and their little baby daughter. Jean. Right? Three weeks. Jean, sorry, Jean. Three weeks embedded with the Keegans yeah. in Hamburg. Entwined in their lifestyle. And he says, huh, three weeks that if they didn't exhaust, quite exhaust Kevin, they certainly exhausted us, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he, he, the, the, the pace of Keegan's life is so intense. It's frenetic. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's frenetic and it is also suffocating. Yeah. And Kevin explains that quite passionately quite in the beginning of the documentary and I think the documentary captures that, the the sort of intensity of his lifestyle and for Brian Moore who I have to say looks like Dr. Death right? (laughs) He does doesn't he? Yeah. He looks like Dr. Death I mean God bless him, may he rest in peace but he looks like Dr. Death. In the intro to this his eyes are incredibly milky did you notice? And there there is a lot of darkness beneath them I don't know whether that's uh, on the back of the three weeks he spent with the Keegans. Yeah, but, uh, but he refers to it, he says it was last summer. So when he does the piece to camera, yeah. it's long after the, the time mm. he'd spent in Germany. So he's doing a little record. He's like, uh, well, look back on these three weeks we spent with the Keegans in Germany. But he look, yeah, I mean, it's months later and he still he's, hasn't recovered. Still hasn't fully I mean, recovered. <laughs> he, he looks ill and exhausted and confused. Think, and yeah, um, we I soon think, find out why. I think the phrase probably is what happens with the Keegans stays with the Keegans. Yeah, God knows what they've, yeah. got, they've got up to. But if we spent three weeks with this, the Keegans and I saw things that, quite frankly, I shall never unsee. <laughs> <laughs> but they, my friends, will remain right up here in old Moro's head and not on your television screens. <laughs> what you're about to see is a heavily edited and sanitised version of those three weeks. I will probably never reveal what really happened until I'm on my deathbed or in a home after my mind has gone. <laughs> and I'm tricked into revealing all by an unscrupulous tabloid journalist. <laughs> Thankfully that never until happened. then, enjoy this footage of Kevin in a supermarket. <laughs> Heavily redacted footage. But if anyone's <laughs> listening to this from ITV, please bring us the Bjorn Borg in a disco episode. Bring yeah. us Ballesteros styling his hair. Bring us Nicky Lauder flying an aeroplane. I want to see all of these. Yeah, I mean... Every they, second I mean, of every one of them. It, it is incredible and he says at the beginning which really brings things into focus we read the book and we loved the book and we love kevin keegan but kevin but brian moore back then in 1979 introduces it by saying kevin keegan is probably the world's what's he say number one footballer he says right now arguably the world's number one footballer as well as one of the country's best known faces and that's true yeah he was yeah and he says and what you should know right from the beginning is this is not a documentary about football. Mm. It is about a 28... He goes, yeah, and I thought, thank fuck for that. He goes, <laughs> this is a 28-year-old... It's about a 28-year-old uh, son of a Doncaster miner. Yeah. And how he elevated himself to, yeah. you know, this level of stardom and success yeah. or whatever. Um, but then it cuts straight to him walking onto a football pitch. So I think a bit uh, like, come on, more. Well, then he it says is a bit as well, about football. 
Moro as well says, he teases you, he says, so much will surprise you, not least his way of life with his family, oh God, mm. and his ability as a businessman. Yeah, that's the bit that I get really excited about. And he also says, and it also lays to rest the well-worn, what's he say, myth that footballers' brains are in his, his boots. boots. So he says yeah. right from the beginning, whoa, wait, I mean, this guy's got a serious intellect. Yeah. I mean... Keegan does come... When you think of his childhood, we've read the book, and he had a very humble working-class childhood. It was not... He didn't go to a fancy school or get, you know, go to university or anything. I think he is actually a very impressive guy, Kevin Keegan. Definitely, yeah. Like, he's very articulate and sharp, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And he obviously succeeded because he had natural athletic ability, but everyone knows he's the classic sort of footballer. People say he wasn't one of these naturally skillful mm. players a lot of his game he was like a Frank Lampard mm. in that sense a lot of his game was built around him just sort of like around his drive yeah. really and he well, and he elevated himself to number one world. but also you do think there's an underlying intellect there there's some form of like really high intelligence it comes across doesn't it I think he's he's not an opportunist but he's got that in him but it's it's all about kind of wanted to um, improve himself and to experience yeah. as much as he can in life. He's, he's living out loud, basically. He's Kevin living Keegan. out loud, the Delaney way. He, he, um, he said, he does, they, they do, they sum it up, they go, he's got a single-mindedness. Mm. So if he sets his mind to something, he does it. So for instance, early on, he talks about how he arrived not speaking a word of German, but within six months, yeah. he was on national TV in Germany being interviewed. Yeah. And he said, I knew I wasn't perfect, but I just went with it sort of thing. And yeah. then you do see him in the supermarket and it is impressive that he is bowling around this supermarket and he's chatting with kids and chatting with people at the meat counter. I mean, yeah. he seems to focus mostly on the meat areas of the supermarket. I think, which is bizarre because if you remember the book, he was getting meat supplied by one of his uh, fellow players, wasn't he? One of his he was, yeah. other players was bringing in meat. I think his his German odyssey was basically founded around meat. He he stuck to that area it was somewhere he was strong, and uh, you know played to his strengths. But Andy, when he's walking around the supermarket, I bet I thought of you watching it, and I thought if I know Andy, he'll be thinking like me. Here. He's not looking at Kevin or or Gene. Uh, he's mm. looking at the supermarket, at the supermarket. and thinking. That is a fucking good supermarket, yeah, right? It's really German good. supermarkets in the seventies would stand up to modern supermarkets. You know, if you mm. see footage of a seventies supermarket in England, they're pretty shit, right? Mm. They were pretty poor, but a German one that is fucking—it's huge, like an aircraft hangar. Yeah. They've got all the deli counters. Deli counters didn't exist in uh, British supermarkets mm. in the seventies. You know, I remember the—I remember first seeing a cold cuts counter in Safeways Hammersmith in the Kingsmouth shopping centre in the eighties, and thinking, "Fuck, you know, it's like I'm on holiday in Fuck, Portugal." We're, we're through the looking glass here. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was my mum was like, "Fucking hell, a slice <laughs> bits of ham in front of your fucking eyes, mum." Have I just come out of a coma or something? What's happened? <laughs> yeah, I was in the future, but this is like. Right back in the seventies, they've got all of the deli counters. But mm. also, did you notice how they were? They were also selling a huge amount of homewares. Lots of which homewares. Again, now yeah. if you yeah. if you go up to the ASDA, you'll course, get all your nature, all your homewares. But when you it, back in the old days, you didn't see homewares in a supermarket, no. did you? No, not, like none. Not even like some cheap cutlery or anything. No, nothing. It was just you know pre-packed meat and tins of beans. Yeah, that was sliced it. loaves. 
Maybe some it? Golden Wonders yeah. if it was a gut market one. It's incredible. But yeah, I I think that um, it was a that that was really what captivated me early early on. Yeah. But then again, all this nostalgic film we've been watching at the moment, like the Euro '96, it, it often is the peripherals, like the historical, like sort of anthropology, that kind of you know catches my attention the most. Like last night, um, we were watching a bit of Euro '96, me and the boy. And every time it cut to the crowd, I was just like pausing and looking at what they were wearing yeah. in the crowd. I don't know why. I was just sort of looking at it and thinking, oh, yeah, look, that's what how people looked in the 90s. Yeah. You know, and sort of seeing if any of them would, I don't know. I was just You just obsess over the <laughs> details, don't <laughs> See you? See if any of them got milky eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a good look at these eyes, son. You go, don't can we get back to the game? Uh, let's have a good oh, look at them. I wonder if closer. any of them have got like myxomatosis. Fetch me my magnifying glass, son. But there's, there's that bit, and it says, "So much will surprise you, not least his way of life with his family and ability as a businessman." And the the way of life with his family is represented by a short clip of him having a kickabout with his old English sheepdog. Yeah, in the garden. Yeah, that's room. Dribbling he, around and flicking stage, the ball over at, its head. At that stage. um... Do you notice? Yeah, I'd forgotten about... There was a lot about the dogs in the book, wasn't there? Mm, mm. A lot about these dogs. They got a couple of massive German shepherds when they moved yeah, there, didn't old they? Old English sheepdogs. Oh, sorry, old English sheepdogs, yeah. Huge dogs. And um, there was a bit where him and Gene are looking at the pre-packed meat in the supermarket, yeah. and they're talking about what bones to get for the Get yeah. them bones for the get dog, the bones Gene. for the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the other and thing then, I noticed when they sh- yeah what, sorry, go on. I was, I was going to say it and it's when he says his ability is a businessman we see him playing cards but we don't know who with but we can only assume it's other businessmen yeah. it's, it's, it's there to demonstrate that he's got an agile mind yeah look at him he's playing business cards businessman card night <laughs> every it's week great. Jean organises it she lays out the stacks and issues the invites and we have we have businessman card night with me and some other local successful business people. <laughs> um, he wears very, I mean, I know this is sort of an obvious thing because of the time, but he wears really, really tight fitting clothes. Mm. So tight fitting. Um, his shirt, when he's playing hammocks, a great shirt. I immediately looked it up. In a moment of madness, I thought, I'm fucking getting that. I'm getting a 1979 SV Hamburg shirt. Yeah. Because it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but it is skin tight, like it's painted on. Mm-hmm. And then when he's at home as well, he's got 70s nylon brown slacks on mm. that are tight, completely skin tight and a top that's tucked in that is also completely skin tight. Now, he's got yeah. the physique to get away with it. What a physique. I mean, yeah, he was in incredible shape, wasn't he? He was, he was. He's, 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 looking, again, he's looking great, but it, none of it looks comfortable. I mean, during this lockdown period, Andy, I am. If I'm wearing anything other than, like, tracksuit material, mm. I feel like I might as well be wrapped in barbed wire. It's that uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know how I'll ever go back to normal clothes, ever, right? And we I'm looking have at, to. But even outside of lockdown, I'm someone who, I'm someone who enjoys comfort, right? Yeah. And when I get home... If I've been out and I've been making some concession to decency by wearing at least, you know, a pair of jeans and a shirt, yeah. right? As soon as I'm in the house, that's me. Bang! Leisure wear. I've got to get on my leisure wear straight away. But Keegan, I suppose he's being filmed, so maybe it's different. But he is wearing the tightest, mm. most uncomfortable clothes at all times, isn't he? Around yeah, the house of, with Jean. Uh, like now, or for a long time now, lots of players, when they're away from the cra- training ground, they'll wear tracksuits. 
They all wear tracksuits and, and they all wear slides. All wear, but Kev, Kev, mm. Kev's different. Kev's a businessman. He's not just a footballer. He's multifaceted. He has to be ready he's for a, business he's a, he's at all times. Threat. He's a triple threat. Yeah. I don't know what the third... Well, the third threat immediately shows itself. He's in the recording studio. We see him yes. in a recording studio with, with his cans against his ears uh, and he introduces himself as Lee Marvin and then he gives us a yeah. rendition of Wandering Star. Uh, yeah, it's the, strange, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, and then he says, I don't think he'll get in the charts. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of cheek humour there. From <laughs> the Electric House. Trademark Keegan jokes. Just a bit of improvisation. Hope you liked it. Uh, uh, then we hear uh, a status quo type track called Move On Down. And it's Kev. It's Kev yeah, singing it's, it. It's a good song. It they is. cut into it and it kind of then leads into footage of him walking out on the pitch for yeah. Hamburg. Yeah. And it is and it is really suddenly it, I'm like, it's, I wouldn't say I was erect, but no, I was no, really, you, you, I was you, sitting you, up to attention. Your I was interest like, this is peaked. Let's just oh, say that. I'm like, this is a sexy mm. documentary, and Brian Moore was not wrong when he said this was groundbreaking. Jalapeño. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. Keegan's got Kevin, classic Kevin Keegan hair, mm-hmm. the sort of hair that he only actually had for us, you know, one portion of his life and his career yeah but it's the one that we will forever associate with him so he's Pete Keegan Mm -hmm. there's the music playing there's glamorous shots isn't there of him Mm -hmm. like you know driving through town driving through Hamburg in his Mercedes right with a sunroof open yeah this is fucking blinding Kevin Keegan in the 70s and if you want to listen if you want to listen to Move On Down it's the B side of Head Over Heels Right, um, it's better than Head Over Heels, and it's isn't it? on it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's better than it's better than Head Over Heels, definitely. I can see why Head Over Heels was chosen as the A side because it's it's more for everyone. But um, mm. Move On Down is a better song, definitely. Uh, Move On Down. You know what? It's got a sort of a honky tonk Hammond organ effect yeah. on it that reminds me of a mid seventies Stevie yeah. Wonder. <laughs> kind of a bit. Yeah. Do you think it's about <laughs> Cunnilingus as well? I'm not sure. Uh, I hope not. If I it was, st- I don't. I studied it w- the lyrics. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin wouldn't. Kevin wouldn't have known that. I've written a new song, Jim. Remember- Would you like to hear it? I've written about it was you. A couple- <laughs> it was a couple of Yugoslavs, remember, who, it was, who dragged yeah. him into it. Yeah. Kevin, now you record B-side. He's go- oh, do you want me to write something? No, we write already. It's called Move On Down. Oh, what's it about? <laughs> that much is obvious, Kevin. Just sing. <laughs> It is about you give oral pleasure to wife, Jean. Oh, I've never done that before. We don't go in for that sort of thing back in England, you know. 
That's more of a continental style thing. It's about how you say muff diving. (laughs) (laughs) You must... You must give these pleasures to your wife in order to maintain healthy relationship. <laughs> oh, well, I know that might be the case in Yugoslavia and Germany, but back home in Blighty, we keep things a little bit more straightforward. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's nothing we enjoy more than a nice trip to the supermarket together. <laughs> You're in Europe now. You're in Europe now. You must do things our way. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I'll just sing the song and go home if it's all the same to you. <laughs> did they not drive him to the Russian border or did we make that up? I can't remember. I'm sure they did. Oh, they tried to get him to defect. They drove up to the Russian border and had a look and then uh, drove away again. So, yeah, we move on down and then there's the first bit of interview with him and he's agitated straight from the off, isn't he? Did you notice he's got like a really, really deep chin dimple? That's the the biggest takeout of the first 10 minutes of this documentary is the depth Mm. of his... Chin dimple. It looks his, as if his chin ass. It looks like a pair of bollocks. I would have said it looks like mm, he's got a little pair mm. of bollocks on his chin. Yeah, you know, I wear me bollocks on me chin. It's not it's saying really I got from Doncaster. It's very distracting when you're listening to him talk because it's fantastic and the things he's saying are very compelling and interesting. Mm. He is being interesting, and open, but at the same time, you it's you keep losing focus on his yeah. words because you are looking at his fucking chin. <laughs> And you're thinking, shit, man, you know, a child could get lost in that crevice. It's that fucking deep, right? Absolutely incredible. I wonder if he keeps his shopping trolley talking in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be a great place for that. You could park a bike in it too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He, yeah. But what he's saying at that point is really interesting. He goes like this. He goes, if you could name, if there's a footballer out there that has experienced... More pressure than me over the past three weeks. Mm. I'd like to meet him. He goes, if he's still alive. If he's still alive? I know. (laughs) What's gone on in the last three weeks? Can you see what I've said? I've said that if there was a man who'd experienced any more than me, he would be dead. dead. (laughs) It would kill anyone else, but not me. Not the electric mouse. I cannot be switched off. But then he starts to explain how tough his life is. Mm. And look. What I'm not going to do here is start going, oh, yeah, well, I wish I had your problems, because it does actually sound tough, right? All right, he's, you know, he's well-paid, he's famous, and all those other things that people aspire to, but it does sound tough, because he puts it in this way that I do find convincing. He goes, look, you know, even if you took away, you know, the travel, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, he goes, playing for Hamburg and winning the German championship. Play for playing England. for England. Right, Training. even if you take all, all of training, take all of those things away, right? Then still, I've still got to go to the shops. <laughs> yeah. I've still got to eat. He says, right? he says we've still got to live. <laughs> still got to live. And in a way, it's like, it's funny, but you think, yeah, well, nowadays, back then that would, would have been probably, I bet there would have been a lot of people sneering back in the 70s. Mm. Like, oh, come off it, Kev. You're, you've got an easy life. Nowadays, this is the sort of stuff we're in the area of mental health awareness and mindfulness that, you know, it's important. People are discussing all the time. It's like, listen, you know, you have to carry on. Your normal yeah. your life, life for everyone can be fucking overwhelming, exhausting, annoying and upsetting yep. at times, right? Yep. And Keegan's like living in the eye of this fucking <laughs> storm, this showbiz celebrity storm. <laughs> on top of that, he's having to perform to his very highest level non-stop and train non-stop. 
And as he says, he's got to go down the supermarket and stock up on meat with Jane. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. Why won't they let me live? <laughs> but we see, we see some say? little clips. We see yeah. some little clips of what he gets up to and stuff. I mean, he's holding up a trophy. He's signing autographs. He's at a yeah. boot factory. He's getting fitted out for a new boot, and they're, yeah. they're showing him what's going to look like. It's a lot. It's it a lot. And then we see him leading out England against Scotland. We see him standing up in the back of a car with two other men, who I assume are Hamburg players. It's yeah. one of those, you know, like a, it's like a little portmobile, isn't it? One of them where you can stand Unless up in the, the back. it's the Yugoslavs. It could be. Yeah, he's been paraded through the streets. It's part of a promotional thing for his new single. Yeah. Um, yeah. He never stops. He is an electric mouse. Yeah, and he talks about how tough it is, and he goes, some days, some days, we're, so, we're that busy that we get home at the end of the day, me and Jean, and we get into bed, and you're about to go to sleep, and you turn to each other and we go, do you know what? I haven't eaten today. I haven't eaten all day. And I'm serious. We've forgotten to eat. We've been that busy. He says, it's no word of a lie. No word of a lie. I'm not, I wouldn't lie to you, Brian. <laughs> Brian, let's get one thing straight. I wouldn't invite you all the way over to here, to Germany, right? Invite you to stay at me home, right? Let you spend time with Jean, right? <laughs> and then lie to you, right? That What would be in it for me? There's no point. I'm telling you now that there have been occasions where I've forgotten to eat for 24 hours. Has that ever happened to you, Andy? What, where I've not eaten? Jesus yeah. Christ, no. There's always food around. It, it, it's happened to me twice Has that it? I can remember. Once when I was a student, I remember going to bed and thinking, fucking hell, what, I haven't, I forgot to, I clean forgot to eat all day mm. and freaking out a bit about that. That's student uh, years, that doesn't count. You're not, you're not supposed to be responsible count. for yourself then. And then, oh, someone's calling me I'll put a phone down. Um, yeah, and it's happened once in adult life, but it is not a nice right. feeling to go to I sleep. Think... And what I'm thinking is, look at what incredible shape he's in. Yeah, right? but he's not eating properly. He's an athlete. He looks like, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, to look at him, he does not look like a man who is malnourished or exhausted. No. So, you know, we've talked about him being the electric mouse, and I, I think that there is something sort of bionic about Kevin Keegan. Something um, unworldly and... Um... Otherworldly, even supernatural, almost. But uh, yeah, he says we haven't eaten today. I haven't even, we didn't even realise. I would not look you in the milky eyes, Brian, and lie to you. Not here, not in Germany. <laughs> Your eyes of death could put a spell on me. <laughs> so then we see him driving around in the car with the sunroof down, and he looks like you know a man with without a care in the world even though he suggests otherwise. But then he starts mourning again. <laughs> he, says, he says, I wouldn't change my two years here in Germany. With all the problems I had in the first year, that's been an experience in my life that I'll never forget. Because it was hard for him, wasn't it, the first year, because the players didn't take to him, because he was the superstar. I think he was on yeah, better money Yeah, he came and he was on all them. this money. Yeah. Um, and they weren't passing to him and stuff like that. Yeah. He says... Uh, he, um, yeah, I mean, but they did win the league in the first year, didn't they? So it obviously didn't hold him. Wasn't he there for two years and he won the league both times? I don't know if they did the first. It was 77 when he went, so... Oh, and, it was so 79, and he stayed till 1980, did he? Was it 79 when they played in the European Cup final? Okay. Um, he says, uh, to come out here and have everyone back at home saying, oh, it's a mistake, why did you leave Liverpool? He's stupid. You had it all sewn up there. The lads couldn't believe it in Liverpool. After four or five months, I could hear people wanting me to come back to England with me head stuck between my legs. <laughs> 
<laughs> he thinks what? he means his tail between he his does. legs, doesn't he? he does. I'm he not putting so my head between away. my legs, not for anyone, not with my back. Be... <laughs> Next thing you know, them Yugoslavs will be writing a song about it. It's disgusting. <laughs> he says, uh, we'll be head stuck between my legs and saying, you know, you were right and I was wrong. But uh, yeah, he's got a lot to say, hasn't he? He's got a massive fucking chip on his shoulder. But then he kind of always Yeah, but did. that's what drives him. That's what, that's drives, what drives him, yeah. Him. Sometimes you need that. It's that constant um, desire to prove himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's probably is his Doncaster upbringing. You know, Could he's be. come from a very humble background. Entertained himself through childhood by playing with corpses in the local yeah. mortuary. Yeah, all of that. Running, you know, running and, to Nottingham and back, I think he did once. Yeah. Just because... And, <laughs> just for something to do add a lot of energy to burn off <laughs> then then he takes us to his home which I have to say his rig is wonderful yeah I occasionally from time to time fantasise about living in a forest in Germany Bavarian uh, forest who, who doesn't we all do right we've all had little men especially will always think I wouldn't mind just living in a like a wooden cabin in mm. the black forest in mm. Germany and I think uh, moving got, to Germany feels like a fucking very realistic and very desirable thing right now. Absolutely fucking right, yeah. <laughs> so you look at him, I was supposed to fucking be in Germany for my 15th wedding anniversary. What, now? Right now? Uh, we, we would have just got back, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I booked it. I've lost the deposit and everything. Because of, um, or they say, oh, you can still claim it once this is all over, but... What's this Airbnb? Nah, it was a travel. I used a travel agent because yeah. I got a travel agent to set up a whole um, tour right. along what is known as the Romantic Road in Germany. Oh, nice! Which is which you goes through all these little kind of um, picture book villages mm-hmm. and castles, like the ones you get in Disney movies, all like white. beautiful yeah. countryside and lakes and all mm. of that. And um, I thought it was really nice. I had it all booked up at the beginning of the year. Gone, bang. Anyway. Yeah, we one day I will move to Germany. But you look at this rig, and it's exactly the house. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's a, exactly the sort of fucking is, house that I have in mind got to move. The wrought iron gates with KK on it as well, hasn't he? Is that especially That's the best bit? Yeah. yeah. He goes, he goes. This house, right? I own this. No mortgage, <laughs> nothing. I own it. It's mine. And let me tell you, so, some people they like to have a nice fat bank account, right? <laughs> but I can see the money I earn. Then, or oh, then he gets a bit political because he starts complaining about the tax in. Uh, the UK, which at the time, in the late 70s, um, tax was extremely high if you were a high earner. For the top earners it was, yeah, yeah. It was really high. Yeah, tax excels everywhere, didn't you? I've heard it claimed. (laughs) When I I wrote a book about the advertising industry that covered that era, Mm. and one of the people I interviewed for it was Michael Heseltine. Because Michael Heseltine... Um, was a publisher. He made his a lot of his money in magazine publishing, yeah. trade trade business magazines, and he launched like the most famous uh, uh, magazine for the advertising industry called Campaign. So I went to interview him about that, and he got really political with me really quickly. I don't know whether he'd had done some research on me and found out mm. in advance that I might not be yeah. completely political. I was not. I was not there to talk about politics, but he started going. What you had? So he was talking about you know the businessmen in that industry in that era and how because it was booming they were earning a lot of money Mm. and he was going what you have to understand is 
the tax situation for the richest in the late 70s was completely out of control. They were charging more than 100% tax. And I was like, I said, that's just not possible. I made the mistake. I was much younger then. I think I wrote that book in 2007, right? So, and I went, uh-huh. That's not even possible. Like, you know, it's the biggest number you can get. Th- this this bloke who's been the fucking deputy prime minister and a leading <laughs> cabinet minister for years, and I've just sat there in my jeans and trainers in his office, going, ah, "Leave off, Hesa. That ain't even possible. Do your math, son." Right? And he went. He snapped at me. He went, "It was possible, and I know." And I said, "So you had to pay them more than you were actually earning?" And he went, "Yeah." I don't believe him. No, I don't believe him. But anyway, Keegan was obviously, he was like, people say I moved here for tax, and I didn't. I moved here for the challenge. But Mm. that said, we do get to keep a lot more of what we earn out here. And I bought a fucking house with it. (laughs) Look at my gates. So what's yours, James Callaghan? He says, when I left Liverpool, my last contract was worth £22,000 a year. And when I came to Hamburg, I signed for £122,000 a year. He says, it's a big different world that I never knew existed. (laughs) <laughs> and well, you know yeah, what that, gonna... is a, that what a pay rise I mean Liverpool were undisputed, mm. indisputably in that era Liverpool were the number one club yeah. in Europe right they were winning everything every year and yet they were only paying him their star player mm. 20 grand and he went and got 120 grand a year I mean th- as a pay rise that is fucking sensational yeah. I can't remember we must have read about it in the book what was going on at Hamburg that they could afford to pull off this I mean it was a fucking coup I'm not sure I mean obviously they weren't all on that because the, the rest of the players turned against him for it yeah it must have been one of these marquee signing things that they, they, they mm. saw some money from somewhere to be able to do it but uh, that was it he was the uh, the Galactico if you like of German yeah. football um, we're going to leave it there, Sam. He's just about to okay. enter his house. He's got some flared jeans on, and Jean is about to hand the baby to him as he enters the house. And we'll find out. Oh, it's the trip to the supermarket next, isn't it? After that, so we'll cover that yeah, next when week. When we get to that, um, look forward to the next episode because there's a situation <laughs> where him and Jean start buying some ham, and then they have an argument about the ham. And fucking hell, I think we can easily do a whole episode on that <laughs> next time. <laughs> It's the Keegan <laughs> Hamburg Odyssey. Back again next week. TTFN to end. TTFN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.